0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day. And I am pretty convinced it's going to get better because I'm about to share with you a really cool interview with my guy, Cole Zick. He is the president of the marriage revolution with his wife, Kate. And these guys are leading a, I would say, a revolution of, um, of biblical sexuality. And these guys are big dreamers. They have a really powerful message. And it, it's kind of a full circle thing for me because Moral Revolution was one of the first organizations that I heard talk about biblical sex in a way that was not scary and not rigid and black and white. And um, they, they're just so grounded and really know how to broach these conversations in a way that's respectful, but very truthful. And I think that's, that's really quite commendable. So um, there's lots to learn. We talked about a little bit of everything. We talked about uh, Game for Your Porn Addiction we talked about what it's like to uh, to do sex well when you're in marriage, and we also talked about what it's like to heal you know when when you've had trauma in your past or when when sex is not everything that it was cracked up to be in a marriage, how you make adjustments and do it better and then we we went all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which is you know when you are raising kids, how do you do it in a way where they can actually talk about sex safely and learn it through a biblical lens without um, without some of the rigidity and some of the things that we tend to get in church culture today. So this was a very well-rounded interview. Cole is unbelievably articulate. And the one thing that these guys have really purposed in their hearts to do, I'm saying these guys, we just interviewed Cole, but uh, Cole rather, but Cole and his wife, Kate, um, have both uh, purposed to be very honest about the first 10, 11 years of their marriage, specifically in regards to their sex life, because they just had a lot of unusual circumstances to deal with, and um, you know it's made them stronger as a result it's given them a story to share that's impacting a lot of people, and they, um, or Cole rather, did get into it in our conversation. But that being said, it is a little bit more on the descriptive side, and so if you are in recovery, and um, you know, even just sometimes hearing about people's uh, sexual experiences, not it's not like it went into detail about them, but just kind of even there's certain language that's used that I know could be triggering. And so I'm asking you to use some wisdom. There's other ways you can get wisdom than this podcast interview. So don't feel like you have to listen to this if you know you're just a little bit sensitive to terms around uh, just things like oral sex and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I'm just giving you a word of caution because this, this content is always, it's just a dance that we're doing. You know, we want to help you and we have to talk about these things directly. And yet if we're really descriptive or if it's graphic, then sometimes it does more harm than good. And I think there's the, there's risk for that um, if you're not considerate. So um, so just bear that in mind as you go through. And if you're like, well, I might be able to handle it, then then just just see how it goes and just pay attention to your thoughts. Uh, pay attention to your imagination as well. Where does it drift? And if you find that's becoming a problem, stop the podcast, move on to the next one. Not a big deal, okay? Now, without further ado, guys, here's my interview with Kohl's Sick. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, Have good motives and a God given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Awesome. Well, Cole, I've been following you and Kate for a while now, and uh, it's been really cool to see what you guys have done with The Moral Revolution. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, man.
1: Yeah, it's an honor. We're uh, I'm excited. We always love you know meeting new people, connecting, talking, sharing pod- podcasts and ideas. And you know, there's, there's still not enough podcasts out there talking about healthy sexuality. So we have uh, we still have a lot of work to do, you and I. So we got to keep doing it together.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, man. I totally agree. And uh, Moral Evolution was actually like when I was growing up and trying to figure out my own sexuality as probably I was maybe adolescent years, university years. This was one of the first organizations that actually had like really good messaging where it was like, oh, it makes sense. I get it. It's biblically sound. There's good reasoning to it. And it yeah. wasn't just like uh, bounce the eyes and turn or burn and, you know, all that kind of old yeah, school messaging. Sure. So I guess I'm curious, like, how did you guys come onto the scene? Because obviously you guys have a calling for ministry in your lives, but you could have done a bunch of different things, I'm sure. Why moral revolution?
1: Yeah, so we were youth pastors actually for a long time, 13 years um, at the last church we were at in Sacramento. And, you know, we always had a heart for sexual purity. Um, my wife and I, Won't get too much into our story, but that's really what led to why we have a passion for this. You know, I was born and raised in a really great Christian home, learned to hear the voice of the Lord really early. And so never, and I never went down the path of pornography, addiction, or sex. You know, Caitlin, my wife is the only one I've ever been with in any way. Where Her story was very different. She was sexually active in like seventh grade. Um, A Mm -hmm. lot of culture pressure, social pressure, feelings of I have to, I should. And so, you know, she found the Lord midway through high school. And when we came together, we started in her senior year, um, got married. I knew right away she was the one. We dated for three years, got married. And then just in our marriage realized, man, there's a lot of baggage from things that had happened years and years earlier. And so we really begin to develop this hunger and this passion to help people Know what to do and realize, hey, these dis- there, there is a reason that the Bible tells us to do this. Uh, now, maybe we've said it too dogmatically in the past, and that's why nobody wanted to listen, but it doesn't make it untrue. And so let's True. figure out a way to communicate this in a healthy way, in a godly way that that represents the grace and the mercy and the love of the Father, while also saying, hey, God, our dad does also create some healthy parameters for us. Um, and so our, our just our personal story gave, gave us a passion for it when we were in youth ministry. By the time we were wrapping up our youth ministry season and we had pursued a few different op- other opportunities, when this one came about, everybody in our youth group was like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. <laughs> like, Because we were <laughs> always talking about sex and relationships and trying to help create a healthy culture environment in our own Ministry that God had given us back then. And so uh, it was really, in a lot of ways, a very natural next step for us. We actually have journal entries from when we were dating of wanting to lead a purity ministry together. And I even have, before I met Caitlin, have a list of things I was looking for in a wife, you know, 20 20 points long, of course, in my hyper spiritual 18 year old (laughs) years. And one of the things I said is I wanted her to be called to ministry. And in the parentheses, I put specifically a purity ministry. Oh wow! You know, before we had ever known each other. And then even the call to come to mall Revolution was totally out of the blue. They called us and asked if we would come and take it over and um, really didn't have a ton of connection with MR. We knew Ben and Havilah, the previous directors, a little bit. But uh, so it just kind of was the Holy Spirit. God kind of aligned it all. You know, we had our own personal experiences and therefore passion that had been birthed in our experiences. And and God kind of gave us this opportunity and this road in our MR to really take our story and bring him glory with it so it's been cool yeah
0: that's amazing man so let's jump right in you talked about how you had a relatively clean upbringing uh so to speak in the area of sexuality um your wife had more of a past and you talked about working through that kind of baggage quote unquote and i think it'd be easy to hear that story and think oh yeah she probably had all the baggage and you were helping her work through it but i imagine um Like that's a two way street. Like it doesn't really matter what the issues are when you're in marriage. You're both working on it. What 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 do you mean when you said you guys were working through your baggage when you got married?
1: Well, you know, so we got married at 22, so we were young, but we've been together for three years already, and um, you know, specifically in the area of sex was a huge was probably our largest roadblock in our first, I would say, six to seven years. Uh, It was really painful for Caitlin physically. And so she wasn't able to experience any pleasure at all. It was pretty task, It was pretty daunting for her to think about actually having to have sex because of um, the physical pain that she would feel. Wow. And she was like, oh, there's got to be something wrong. She went to the doctor. Doctor said, no, there's nothing wrong. Uh, doctor actually said, the reason you have so much pain is because you didn't have sex before marriage. You should have <laughs> been more sexually active. <laughs> and wow. I know. So we were having our first son. I think it was our first. And the, when she was delivering the baby, the doctor said, hey, you have extra tissue. I bet sex is painful. And she said, yes, it's excruciating. The doctor said, great. If you want me to, I can take care of this right now and, and do a little procedure that would normally be an outpatient procedure. And she, you know, please. Well, the cool part is that completely got rid of the physical pain that wow. she felt, Amazing. Uh, which, which was huge. Well, then, you know, the expectation is, well, awesome. Everything's going to be fine now. Physical <laughs> pain was the problem. Yeah. Well, and then, so once the physical pain was gone, we realized, Kate realized, like, I actually have a lot of emotional and mental baggage and hurt from my past experiences. She had never been raped, um, but she had a lot of situations starting at like 12 or 13 years old where she felt obligated and pressured to have oral sex with guys, um, physical touch. You know, she never had vaginal sexual intercourse, but she had everything but. Yeah, at a, at an, like in an amount that she can't count how many guys she'd been with at parties when she was drunk or she was high on on pills. She took p- prescription pills, you know, like pop pills as a, you know, at parties and stuff. And so right. she began to realize, like, oh, we'll be in the kitchen and I'll come up and I'll just place my hand on her back. Like that was one big moment in particular that has always stood out to us. One night I just came and put my hand on her back and she just like turned into mm-hmm. stone. Huh. And when we began to talk about it, she realized like I immediately, she just thought everything you do, you're doing to get sex because she had been conditioned in her earlier years that everything this man does or this boy does, everything he says is really just him wanting to get something from me. Hmm. And so, you know, when she shares alongside of me, she'll say, you know, so even though I knew in my head, Cole was safe and I loved him and I trusted him. My body and my heart couldn't believe what my mind knew.
0: Yeah, And so yeah. she
1: needed to go through a pretty significant healing process for her heart, um, for her body. You know, our bodies even keep that tension. Our body, That's why people get ulcers when they have stress or cancer comes from a stressful life. A lot of times when you look at the studies, it's not even as much what we eat or where we're at, but it's more the type of life we live. Huh. determine some of these physical sicknesses, it's because our body, soul, and spirit are so interconnected. We can't really have something going on in our heart or our spirit that our body doesn't also carry the weight of. And right. so, you know, she had these emotional connections to sex being this dirty thing where she was coerced into stuff and her body would tense up and she would have a physical response of, oh, no, don't touch me. And so we started, we went to counseling, um, started to go on to a counselor. I actually went the first one or two times and the counselor pretty quick realized, Hey, like this is connected to your past, Caitlin. I think it'll be easier for you to work through this without Cole here. Cause you're going to need to talk through things that might be hard for you to talk through with him in the room. Sure. And so that, and she asked, you know, during this time, if you guys could refrain from sexual intimacy, it'd be helpful for Caitlin. She needs time to reset her brain needs to reset. And so that, counseling period ended up being in about 18 months. We ended up going a year and a half with no sexual intimacy as she went through this process of unpacking these things that had went on, you know, the counselor diagnosed with PTSD, uh, which we didn't, we had never connected to, we only connected that to like car accidents and, you know, military personnel. We never connected it to a a normal American girls, middle school and high school experience. You know, she hadn't been, like I said, she hadn't been raped. Um, technically she had said yes in all these scenarios. So what, there wasn't like this big, traumatic, awful moment, which also was why she said for years, I don't need counseling. A lot of people have it way worse than me. I didn't have this and I didn't have this. And so she wrote off her own pain because she just, well, other people's pain's worse. Mine shouldn't be as valid or as impactful on me. And so, uh, after that 18 months went by, um, Counselor said, "Hey, I think you're you're where you need to be." Caitlin felt like free from it, and so we started to engage intimately again. And man, it was a huge difference. Yeah, Uh, she didn't have all these. She wasn't connecting me to these really broken moments anymore. She wasn't connecting what we did in the bed to what she had done with these past guys. She was able to find like really what it was was she severed and realized lovemaking with my husband is not like the sex I experienced with these boys. Yeah. And it was hard for her brain to do that. It needed that reset Uh, still took time for her to fully enjoy it. You know, she didn't really begin to enjoy sex where she had an orgasm until we were in year 10 or 11. We're on year 16 now. So it took us 10 to 11 years for her to really start to experience it to the fullest that she can now for the last five or six, it has just been beautiful you know, it's been everything God designed it to be. So it's, it's awesome.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I imagine a pretty tumultuous journey to get there. Um, but well worth it. What was it like during those 18 months for you?
1: Um, I mean, challenging for sure. You know, at the same time, you know, the unique thing about my story is I never have been addicted to an orgasm. Uh, right. And that's, you, you, the majority of people are addicted, men, I would say, are addicted to orgasms, even Christian men. Yep. Uh, we've we've kind of belittled lovemaking to be, get an orgasm, have an orgasm and have as good of an orgasm and as exciting of it as an orgasm and as erotic of an orgasm as possible,
0: yeah.
1: right? I mean, even Christian men have been conditioned to, to pursue the orgasm. Well, because I'd never looked at porn, I mean, still to this day, I've never seen it. Never had been with anybody besides Caitlin. Every orgasm I had ever had has would be, had been connected to her. So when I went through this period, and we weren't really having sex that much, anyways, it wasn't. I mean, we were maybe having sex once a month. So
0: right, because it was painful.
1: Yeah. So there wasn't yeah. this big, massive appetite that had built been built in me yet.
0: Right. One of the things
1: that. One of the things that's lost on our culture is in Song of Songs where it says, don't awaken love before it so desires. Sex is awakened at age 8, 9, 10, 11 in our generation because of the sexualization of culture. And mm-hmm. so a 14-year-old boy says, I have a sex drive. Why would God give me this? Well, God gave it to you, but didn't intend for it to really be awakened until you were married. The problem is we're awakening the sex drive of our youth really, really early. So for me, by the time I got married at 22, my sex drive hadn't been fully unlocked yet because I hadn't, I didn't have all these experiences. And so when I needed to go dormant for 18 months, I was able to, and honestly, the Holy Spirit gave me a ton of grace, you know, helped me with my perspective. I, I held on in Galatians where it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her to purify her with the washing of water through the word that scripture really guided me. And I realized, man, if my call is to be to my wife, what Christ is to the church and to give himself up for her, no matter how long this season lasts, it will, I still don't get to call it sacrifice if I compare it to the cross. Hmm. So if this is my expression of love, if this is what's required for my spouse to get healing, and I'm to be Christ to my spouse. What is Christ to us? He is the opportunity for health and wholeness. He is the road to healing. I mean, there is no road to healing and wholeness, if not for Jesus Christ. Well, and I'm, I'm called to be that to my family. Well, man, I actually, the Lord brought me into this beautiful place of seeing that, wow, this, what an honor I have. I'll never be able to touch the sacrifice of the cross but I will get to give this to my wife to create health and wholeness for her. And so God really, the Holy Spirit really kept me and guided me and guarded my heart from getting negative and guarded my mind from drifting and and guard, you know, all the things that could have been. I think the Holy Spirit just really put me into a a covered place and it just that kind of stuff didn't pop up. I really was able to look at it as a beautiful opportunity to uh, lay a foundation for my marriage and my family. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, when I, neither of us look back at it as like super negative. Like I don't look back and think, Oh, it was the hardest year and a half of my marriage. I mean, yeah. um, it just doesn't have that tone in my memory bank. That's um, it's got this tone of, man, I felt really close to the Lord and the Holy spirit helped me. And there were frustrated nights for sure. And then I remember the Lord just letting me lean into his presence and helping me remember, Oh wait, why am I here? I'm here. Cause I covenanted to her. I'm here because I committed to her. I'm here because I said for better or for worse. And I've got a mandate to demonstrate for better or for worse to this next generation. And Hmm. the Lord was able to keep these things in front of me. And it was really, honestly, it was pretty incredible and forming. It formed us individually and together in a really powerful way.
0: Yeah, And I mean, I imagine it probably accounts for why your wife had such a successful healing process because she wasn't getting any of that pressure from you or yeah. even feeling bad about like oh look at what i'm causing him um sure. she was just able to heal and that's, that's pretty amazing. It, there,
1: there was some of that i'm mean, going to work through that because she she would there would be nights where she'd be sobbing you shouldn't have to put up with this you shouldn't have to deal with this i can't believe okay, that you're okay. having to go through this because of my past and um yeah a lot of self-guilt and shame you know mm. so now you've got to 28 year old woman who's dealing with guilt and shame from 13 year old decisions long before she could have known any better. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and we would work through that and I would hold her and I would do my best to communicate with words that I don't look at it like that. And you're not a burden. And, you know, and, and thankfully, the Lord did bring us out of that. And there were still tons of stuff that we, like once we were able to make love again, I realized I was now dealing with a lot of rejection from a lot of times where I initiated and she rejected me and couldn't. So there was still all of those layers of stuff yeah. that we, you know, though it wasn't void of that. Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, there were plenty of those moments, even with the path that I had and she had. Uh, but yeah, I do think, I, I do believe that, cause I found porn at seven years old. I found it at eight. I found it at nine. I found it a ton of times when I was a kid. And for whatever reason, the Holy spirit never let me look at it. Hmm. And I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I was an eight year old kid. I didn't really know anything other than I felt something in my spirit that said, no. Yeah. My parents hadn't taught me about it. They hadn't prepared me for it. Nobody had, nobody had, there wasn't any adult conversation that taught me to be aware. It just really was the Lord. And I do really believe that not having that sexual past did create space for us to work through everything probably in a quicker manner than we would have. Um, And and definitely, whether it was quicker or not, definitely a more effective and thorough manner, right? A lot of us, we will get a little bit of freedom and then we'll get a setback and then a little bit of freedom and a setback and those setbacks aren't really just setbacks. It's almost like another rabbit trail that now has to be addressed. Mm. So we get some freedom and then that freedom leads to a rabbit trail over here. Okay. I'm, I'm not sexually promiscuous anymore, but I had to use porn to do it. Okay. Right. I'm not you looking at porn anymore, but I'm lusting all day, every day. Like we keep finding lesser sins to make us feel better about the thing we just got over. And so the, by not having some of that, I definitely think it allowed us to be thorough huh. in our process. It allowed us to be thorough in her process, thorough in my process, yeah. thorough in our conversations, the depth of our conversations, learning how to really, hey, let me tell you everything in my heart. Let me tell you what hurts. And it's going to hurt you to hear what hurts me, but we're going to share it, you know? And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I there's no doubt about it. The not having a, a sexual history, for sure helped us in that season doesn't mean that it's like un- that that's required for a couple to get healing or wholeness but it definitely was helpful for us
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense you talked a little bit about how our culture has become very hypersexualized and the value for the bible the institution of marriages uh those things are pretty much at all-time lows Yeah, and I know that you guys are super passionate about culture like um everything that you guys do this is not just about trying to get a message out or sell some merch like you guys are thinking how do we use what we're doing here to impact culture yeah what is what does that look like to you in 2022 when we're recording like what do you think are some some actionable steps as a society that we can take to start restoring our value of healthy sexuality
1: yeah i mean there is that's I mean, a great question. We could spend two more podcasts unpacking (laughs) this one, right? Um, I'm going to just go with the lowest hanging fruit. You know, there's 10 points on this question, but let me just give one. And what I think personally is probably the lowest hanging. Um, We have got to war pornography. We have to to start a war on porn. Mm. Uh, Porn is literally sex educating the entire world right now. And it's a very dangerous sex educator because much of it's violent. It is not demonstrating connection. It's just seeding these ideas that you perform when you have sex and you pursue the most exciting orgasm possible. And as many orgasms as you can have in one setting, and it's creating an unquenchable appetite. That is when you start to hear some of the craziest stories, whether this is homosexuality, transgender, you could go all the way into um, pedophilia and people that are, you know, a lot of rape, a lot of rape culprits, they'll tell you it was seated in pornography. They started porn, and then porn demonstrated these videos and these images that they couldn't experience in real life, and so then they had to experience it in real life, and so then that is what was the seed hmm. for the sexual brokenness that they're now experiencing. You'll—it's very, very rare for you to find in our generation sexual brokenness without pornography somewhere in the history of that person. Yeah, uh, very rare. Whether it's marriages falling apart, whether it's a, an affair. Situation after situation after situation.
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's
1: because for two generations now, kids have been finding porn between 8 and 11 years old. So our brains aren't even fully developed till our mid-20s. Yeah. So if I find porn at 12, let's say, I, let's say I beat the stat and I didn't find it till 12. All my <laughs> friends already found it between 8 and 11, but I, I won and I didn't find it till 12. But then 12, I just, I didn't have an adult to talk to I didn't have any healthy conversations on it. Now that became an addiction. Well, now by the time I get married, the average age of man in America anyways gets married is 29. That's 17 years of using porn as the sex educator. Jeez. Well, once you get to college, what are you doing? You're trying out what you see. You're trying to make porn cool. You want the girls in college to watch the porn with you and to act it out and in the frat house and right, like all the, the, just those layers and layers. So by the time we get to the marrying age of our culture, which is 27 for women, 29 for men, we have almost two decades of sexual conditioning that taught us to pursue a performance-based orgasm. Huh. And now we're supposed to enter into a covenant where sex was designed by God. I believe for humans, God, God designed sex very specifically to bond two individuals from different families, different experiences in different places and cause them to bond together in such a way that they would want to leave their fathers and mothers and cleave to their spouses. Hmm. There had You couldn't just give that instruction. God couldn't just say, leave the comfort of your home. Make your spouse your highest priority above even your parents. Yeah. Unless he built it into our biology to do it. And huh. so then he tied neurotransmitters, d- dopamine, serotonin, vasopressin, oxytocin to lovemaking so that I would leave Stephen Darby Zick in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I would be willing to risk my comfort to be in a relationship with Caitlin that I want to do life with her for the rest of my life. So I'm going to leave my parents 4,000 square foot home to live in a tiny little apartment and be broke in Sacramento, California. And I couldn't wait to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's because the Lord had built it in me to leave my father and mother to cleave to my wife. The primary bonding agent that 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 happens to is sex. Hmm. Now, assuming that sex has been done the way God designed it, that bonding agent works exactly how it's meant to. You get married, you make love, you start to connect. This is the only person you've been to. It's the only one you've made love with. It's the only one you've had an orgasm with. It's the only for a whole bunch of things. Well, now all of a sudden you feel so deeply bonded to this person because you've experienced things with them. You've experienced with no other person. Guess what that does? It helps you work through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because you've got a biological scientific bond that God built in our bodies. So now go back to what I was addressing a moment ago. The 29-year-old that has been looking at porn since 12 had 17 years of experience, an orgasm-changing sexual experience. They actually had to teach their brain to not hurt when they broke up with relationships, Think about, I mean, you you have your first, the first person you're with and you break up first person you make love to, you have sex with, you break up with them. What is it feels like you would rather die than be alive? Yeah, it does. Like I hear you, right. There's movies that they make about it. Rom-coms are built on. I mean, you never forget your first love because you were never supposed to. And so what Um, actually takes place in our brains is our brain actually has to tell ourselves Don't hurt. You can't hurt when you break up or you're always going to be miserable. So figure out how to numb yourself so that you can make it through college and not be an emotional basket case. And so then it becomes easier to break up the second time and even easier the third time, even easier the fourth time. Well, if the average man has six sexual partners before their wedding day and the average woman in America has four and a half, we've practiced divorce five times before we've ever gotten married. And we actually taught our body to not give an orgasm or lovemaking the value that it was meant to. So by the time we get into covenant, it's really no more than paper. The only difference between this relationship and relationship number three was I didn't have a paper that I signed with relationship number three. I had a paper that I signed for this one. And then all I got to do is sign a paper to break that. (laughs) And so all I really believe all of that is seated in this sexualized culture. Pornography is a big part of that sexualization. And so We're trying to engage culture on that front right now. We've launched this, this movement called porn is lying to you, where we have it on the back of t-shirts and sweatshirts and stickers. And all we're trying to do is when I'm walking down the street, I want someone to read my shirt and contemplate that statement. And then just let their own personal story is going to testify to the rest of that. You actually almost don't even need an explanation. And so Again, I think there's 10 answers to your question. I think the thing, the, the biggest giant that if we could eradicate pornography or Exodus Cries, another ministry or a, a nonprofit that we partner with, they're working on getting people to sign a petition so that lawmakers will force the internet, force legislation that would put pornography behind a paywall where you couldn't get it without having a login. So you, a, a child would never be able to accidentally come across a porn video right i'm telling you right now if we would just prevent childhood exposure to pornography we will have a different culture in 20 years it would take one generation to have a completely different culture
0: yeah wow that gets the loudest amen from me man i totally agree and we've actually had Layla, uh the vp of exodus cry on the podcast as well sharing about that specific campaign yeah so Um, so a bunch of our listeners have already signed and supported and Amazing. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I, totally agree. I'm wondering if you can talk about, um, cause I imagine you guys are, are seeing couples, obviously getting into marriage, having all the baggage, um, having this preconditioning uh biologically we haven't even talked about the spiritual elements of it but obviously there's this huge rebellion against evangelical culture and purity culture and all that kind of stuff that uh, where the pe- the pendulum has swung like way too yeah. far obviously and, and we've we've drifted again but what what does it look like for people that um we're not quite at that generation yet right where we're actually we have the preventative measures a lot of people are reeling from the mistakes of their youth and their university yeah. years. What what does that look like? What are you guys recommending for people to engage in that healing process?
1: Yeah, so if it's a single, you know, that, that the answer to that's probably is different if it's a single person or if it's a married person. So let me, I guess, okay. stress the singles that would be watching. Um, man, we really recommend a reset period like Caitlin had. Better to do the reset before the wedding day than after the wedding day um, really important to get the resources, get with the people that can help you get free of this sexual addiction, or even if it's not full blown addiction, but it's sexual abuse where you're looking at porn, even if it's just a couple of times a month, right? You really want to have a pretty significant period where you reset. Um, and I, and I want to say this because I think this will break a lot of shame for people. I believe the Lord can forgive and will forgive. Every time someone looks at porn and makes a sexual mistake, this isn't a matter I don't believe necessarily of going to heaven. It could be depending on the depth of, you know, the heart behind the person that's experiencing it. But really what it becomes about is how do I set myself up to heal my heart and my mind from the experiences that I've had? How do I put myself in a place where I'm allowing my brain to be reset so that I can actually get the healing well to, to not stop the activity, does not stop the action to continue in the, you know, the, the pornography or the sexual promiscuity, the way I would explain it to people is like this. If you were, if you're walking through the woods and you get cut on your right arm, let's say there's a really sharp tree that cuts you, uh, you're by nature, what are you going to do? If you have the ability, you're going to bandage the wound and then you're going to walk a little bit different to make sure that another tree doesn't cut you. Right. But when it comes to sexuality, because we've made virginity this golden calf, the moment we've lost our virginity, we're like, well, I've lost it anyways. I guess I should just cut my left arm too. And while I'm at it, I'll cut my right leg and my left leg. And instead of stopping, addressing the wound and figuring out how to change our actions so we don't repeat it. We have this, well, I've lost it. I might as well just keep going down this path mentality. Mm. And what we're essentially doing is we're just re-damaging, we're re-injuring, we're teaching our brain that sex doesn't matter, orgasm doesn't matter, have it with anybody, do what you want to do, however you want to do it. Uh, And we've now conditioned ourselves to believe that. And So why it's super important for a reset period is because you actually have to communicate to your brain. You're you're, you're in that reset period. What you're doing is you're telling your brain sex matters, sexual intimacy matters, Hmm. and sexual intercourse was God's idea, and it's amazing, and it's powerful, and it's worth protecting, and it's amazing, and it's a part of creation that God created on purpose, and it's so important that it's worth me fighting for. It's, yeah. And and so what really what you're trying to do is you're trying to give value back to sexuality. Right. Even Christians don't realize that the value of an orgasm has kind of been stripped from us. And there's other there's other layers. If you know, I'm not a counselor or a psychologist. We we work with a lot and consult with a lot. But um, for me, I would I always try to encourage people to say, hey. Create a reset so that you can give that you can give the value of sex and lovemaking back to your heart and your mind. Yeah. Take a time to allow that to happen, and then when you get married, it's going to have this beautiful bonding ability—the way God designed it for marriages. Um, I don't recommend eighteen months of no intimacy. <laughs> that's not something I would want any marriage to do, Yeah. Um, and nor do I think that that's required for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. But i do think that for marriages they need to be very real and honest with where they're at
0: definitely yeah
1: they probably do need to pursue christian counseling um and and i would say two parts to that got to be a christian and has to have a degree in counseling not that a pastor can't do it but we're big proponents of christian professional counselors and psychologists god has gifted them with what they've learned and what they've experienced, and they bring a lot to the table through their education, their experience. And so we're yes. big proponents for counseling. Um, yes. You know, the counselors that we've went to in our marriage have prevented all kinds of chaos from happening. Hmm. And so you have to figure out in your marriage a way to create the reset required without necessarily shutting everything down you know, the way that we shut everything down. Maybe it's a shutdown for a month or two months. Um, And so, again, a soul searching. Okay, really evaluating what do I actually think about sex? How do I view it? Here's a little insight to that inside of marriage is when once we were through the healing and Caitlin felt, oh, I feel healed and whole. She realized that like we would watch this old show called Criminal Minds and we'd we'd watch Law and Order you know, these are police detective shows. They're not uh, FBI shows. They're not like there's not, you're not seeing sex scenes in them, but a lot of the storylines were built around a rape scene or a serial rapist. And Caitlin realized she goes, I can't watch these shows because what is happening is my brain is reattaching sex to rape. And then adult, I don't want to make love with you. And that was the moment that God gave Kate this statement that she, that she uses when we teach together a lot is we're trained by what we're entertained by. Wow. And we have to actually kind of do an inventory as a married couple. Okay. What do we actually think about sex and why do we think that? And let's talk about that for a moment. Let's put that all on paper. What do I, do I think sex is dirty? Do I think it's gross? Do I think it's just for the man? Do I think it's all about getting him an orgasm? You know, what is the X, Y, Z? Okay, now what's the root of these lies? Okay, now let's go after the root of these lies. And let's yeah. see what the, the word says about that. Let's go after counseling for that. And let's figure out how we go after the root of these core beliefs that we've adopted.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Everything that we do here is in the same vein of you have to get to the root issues. And there's spiritual methods to do that. And there's really practical clinical mm-hmm. psychology methods to yeah. do that as well. So totally agree. Um, I wanna switch gears a little bit because I know another thing you guys are really passionate about is parenting sexuality. And it's really neat actually, cause you, I think you're, you're in a very small percentage of people probably who have that story of, you know, only been with one person, didn't even engage in pornography or anything like that um so what like a what a great example you are to set for your kids and um and at the same time you guys have also been able to work through stuff and i think that's that's cool as well that obviously just gives yeah. you um some extra depth to impart what do you guys recommend for people who are raising their kids we have moms especially reach out to us quite a bit um yeah. who are like i'm pretty sure my son has watched or my son has watched i know he's watching how do i help him yeah um Great. what does this look like and let's go like let's go through the whole scale man like preventatively and then you know sure for parents where their kids are already struggling
1: great well i'm not necessarily intentionally doing this but i'm going to tell you we've got some really killer resources we've made in the last year Please. specifically no, go for ahead. parents um yes this is this is a huge passion of ours we have a 12 10 8 and 6. tons of conversations in our home Our kids have all been prepped that pornography is probably coming. Be aware. Here's what you do if you find it or a friend shows it to you or, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, Real practical. You need to talk earlier than you think you need to talk and more often than you need to talk. Get rid of the idea of the talk. There's no such thing as the talk. There is a series of healthy conversations that create an open environment in your home where your kids are willing to ask you anything. Yeah. That's the key. I want my kids to feel like I can ask mom and dad any question, and they're going to answer it. Uh, and so here's a, real practically, we we have a free course called Porn Prevention. Uh, the we'll try to get you it. You could put it in the show notes, maybe we'll get we'll you. Put the it link in the
0: show notes. 1, um, I don't know yeah. what it is
1: off the top of my head. We can email that to you afterwards. But uh, sure. Porn Prevention is a five course five session course, about 15 minute videos. We actually did that one in collaboration with a a man and woman named Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill. So Dr. Hill has got his doctorate in psychology. He actually also has a master's degree in sexology. So he is like the double whammy of psychology and sexology, knowing the ins and outs of this stuff. And so we did a five session course on what how do we prevent our children from finding pornography and what do we do if they've already found it so totally good. free um mm-hmm. 100% free they can they can watch that and as many times as they want and share it with as many people as they want um it was really cool we actually got a pretty good sized donation to pay for the creation of that course and um it's really we really believe in it the other one that we have is called parent well now that one is way more in depth. It doesn't just cover porn or porn prevention. It's got a number of facets to it. But again, we've got, the the hills are a part of that. We went out, there's a, there's a gentleman named um, Dr. Stanton Jones. He was the head of psychology at Wheaton college in Chicago for years. And he wrote a series called God's design for sex, specifically for children. He's a part of our parent. Well, we went and got him and asked him to bring his expertise. And um, we talk about the book series that he's, that he does. And there's a number of other professionals and experts that are a part of parent. Well, that are speaking to their specific niche in this area. So, I mean, it's almost this, buffet of hey we went and said who are all the best people to talk to parents about what to do with their kids let's put it all together in parent well so that every it's like a you can get everything you want in this one place all the links to the other the other resources and all of that stuff and so that one yeah. there is a cost to that but both of those are at our website those are I would say probably those are the two resources that Caitlin and I personally feel the most proud of that we've done in the last five years, cool. because if we can get these out, these are going to have a generational impact. Yeah. Uh, if we can equip parents to have healthy conversations in home, imagine if you had been told at eight, you know, I don't know your story, but imagine if you'd been prepared at eight years old for what was to come, Dude, imagine at 10, right? It changes everything. None of my kids would have, none of my kids want to look at pornography, but if they don't feel the freedom in their home to look to to talk about it if they accidentally find it they're going to talk about it and it's going to become a secret. And yeah. so our whole thing is how do we equip our homes? How do we equip our kids for this generation? How do we create the right environment at home and have the right conversations so these kids are thriving in depth and connection with us? And so uh yeah, it's a, it's a big it's one of the main focuses that we've been putting our effort into the last couple of years here at MR is is helping parents parent well.
0: That's so good, man. We'll we'll put links um, in the show notes to those products for sure. Because there's especially, I mean, the if the porn prevention course is free, that's a no brainer. Yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, uh, you you said something that is very in line with what I usually tell parents because I'm not a parent yet myself. So I don't pretend to have answers. But the one thing I say is, you know, when I was a kid, the one thing I really wanted more than anything was I just wanted safety around the subject of sexuality. Like yeah. if it was safe, I would have at least had conversations with my yeah. parents. But because it didn't feel safe or comfortable to talk about it, I went elsewhere. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can give some practical things to parents that are listening or want to be parents like myself. What how do you actually create that safety in the home so that great your kids question. can open up?
1: Yeah, that is a great question Um, and it's so critical. Here's a couple. I'll just give you a few just really quick, easy things. These are all more in depth in the, the both of those courses I mentioned. But um, number one, you never want to overreact to a question or a word or a statement. OK, so kids come home using a word. They don't even know the meaning of it, but they use it and they realize the adults get all riled up when I use it. So they tend to they, they'll, they'll do that. And then a lot of parents, where would you hear that? Who told you that? The problem right. is we're, we're now immediately attaching alarm and shame to sex, sexuality and anything like that. And so we have a rule in our house. You can ask any question and you'll get the truthful answer, which leads me to the second part. And they're they're kind of intertwined. Don't lie to them about the answer. Um, Mm. When they say, ask what sex is, we don't say it's when mom and dad wrestle. We, (laughs) you know, we actually, depending on their age, we lean into it. Honest, truthful answer to that question. That's age appropriate for where they're at and their understanding. Mm. And so here's, I'll give you some exact examples in our home of the way some of this stuff has played out. Please. Um, and then, so the, the, let me just say the third one, and I'm gonna show you how it all ties together. So we're not, we're not gonna act shocked when they ask questions or they say things, or they use words that we don't think they should know. We're not gonna to lie to them when they ask questions. The third thing is that we're actually going to create intentional discovery conversations in our home with our kids, okay? And so the way that all of these things look together, um, my older, we, my wife walked into a conversation with our older two boys, um, years ago now. And the, the second, my second son was walking around the house going sex, 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 just trying to get everybody all frazzled and riled up. And classic. my oldest, yeah, exactly. My oldest <laughs> son goes, well, Connor, sex isn't a bad word. It's just that some people misused it. It was actually designed by God. You know, I think they were like seven and eight at the time or jeez five and seven. I don't remember. They're two years apart. So, you know, this was four or five years ago. And so, we're overhearing this. And so, now we come into the conversation. We don't overreact. We just sit there and kind of laugh and, and, and enter in and go, well, where'd you hear that, Connor? And he goes, I heard it at school. And we're like, well, what do you guys know about sex? And they're like, oh, well, we think it's kissing. And well, it's a little more than kissing, but that's funny. That's a part of it. And so we just enter into this really casual, fun conversation with them. Yeah. And then it, the boys engage back. There's no threat. There's no shame. We're just dialoguing. And then it got to the point where I moved into discovery conversation and I go, well, has it, have you guys ever seen any videos that maybe you think could be sex? And they go, what there's videos of it? No way. And I go, yeah, there's a thing called pornography where people actually have taken pictures or videos of people doing it. And most likely you're going to have a friend try to show that to you at some point. And if you haven't seen it now, awesome. And if you do actually find it and someone shows it to you, I want you to know you're not going to be in trouble. Just come and tell me and we'll talk about what you saw. Hmm. Right. So we used this moment where he was using this word. We made sure not to have shock. We didn't lie to them about what sex was. We engaged in the conversation and then we used it to discover what they actually knew and where they were at. And then once we determined, oh yeah, they haven't looked at pornography. Great. Well, then we just prepared them for the moment that they do get introduced to it. Yes. And so we're, we're making sure to use all of these moments to go, okay, we're not going to overreact. We're not going to lie. And now we're going to discover what you actually know because you might, they most of the time they're saying a word that they don't even know what it means. They just heard it. And then we act like, why did you say that? They didn't even know. And so from that, we've had tons of great conversations. My oldest boy in fifth grade came home one day, we're driving home from baseball practice, and he goes, Dad, so do girls suck on boys' penises? Like that's something people do. And I'm like, where'd you hear that? And he goes at school. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a part of sex. And I go, we probably, cause he, my oldest would not let us tell him about sex. He didn't want to know what it was. He didn't want to know the mechanics of it. And I go, we're going to probably have to talk about sex soon. And he's like, oh, I'm not ready yet. I go, well, what you're talking about is a part of sex. And so if you're getting this inaccurate version at school from your friends, I want to make sure to t- give you the real the real version that God designed it to be. Yeah. And he was in, at the end of his fifth grade year. I go, how about this before you go back to six, before you start sixth grade, we're going to have to sit down and I'm going to have to tell you what sex is. We'll give you some more time. And he goes, okay, that's fair. Give me some time to, to be ready for it. Right. And so that's we, par- we partnered with them. We didn't make them talk about it when they weren't ready. We didn't try to withhold it from them. If they wanted to know my third son wanted to know, about what sex was when he was like six. So we, told him, told him what yeah. it was. Right. And so we're trying to share control with where they're at and what they're ready for. And when they feel like they're ready for more, or when they feel like they're ready for less all of the time, just reinforcing, Hey, we're taking time with this. When you ask, you can come and ask what oral sex is. I mean, literally he goes, boys suck on girls' penises. Like that was the language he used. Yeah, I've never felt so good in my life that my son felt comfortable using those words, asking me about it. Right. Like that, we're failing in a ton of areas. Trust me, none of us are void of, (laughs) none of us are the perfect parent, but in that area, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that we've created an environment where he feels like he can ask that question that way in his language, in his words, so that we can dialogue about it. So there was, I mean, that was like a quick bullet point of, you know, for the parents. (laughs) So if I rushed through it
0: no no any aspiring parent needs to go back and listen to that again there's so there's so much good stuff in there a lot of um even just really good practical ways to handle that um i don't want to i don't want to discount the parents that are listening whose kids maybe are past the past the age like yeah. maybe it's too far gone where they're they know they're not going to come to mom and dad um or maybe they're they're much older you know and those kids have started their own families or whatever yeah um how do parents work through that part, you know, of um, whether it's guilt or uh, we were talking about our, our mutual friend Seth Dahl before we started recording. And yeah. um, he he has spoken to the mastermind that I'm a part of a couple of times. And he has just blown the minds of our guys because um, his stuff has really revolutionized the way they see parenting and all that. But I do remember one guy after one of his sessions was saying, man, he's like, I don't know what to do with this. All I know is I'm just crippled by guilt because he Mm. just laid out all the things I should have been doing that I'm not doing. Obviously, not Seth's intent at all, more reflection of just what the stuff that guy was working through. But um, I can imagine some listeners might be hearing the same. Yeah, sure. That's great. Dang, I wish I knew. Um, What should they do?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, first of all, you've got to forgive yourself. Um, None of us are perfect. You know, for every win that we've had in a conversation about sexuality, I've lost it in another area. You know, none of us have done it perfect. My parents, I'm one of five, all five of us love the Lord. And my family had a whole bunch of chaos growing up. Things I, you know, it wouldn't even necessarily be fair for me to share because I'm out in my parents' story um, and I want to honor them. But, um, you know, there isn't, nobody did this the right way. (laughs) Nobody did this perfect. The moment Jesus left on the cloud, we were all guaranteed to not do it perfect. And that's every (laughs) area of our life. And so, Um, I think you, first of all, have to give yourself room for, to understand that. And then I would say, make connection. The goal, um, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how old your kids are. My dad and I didn't have a connection till I was 30 years old.
0: Wow. There you go.
1: Uh, we had a very bad, strained relationship from a lot of pain when I was a kid, even though I was in a Christian home. Um, maybe because of it being in a Christian home, in some ways, we had a very, like. I was at a point with my dad where I was like, I'm never talking to him again. I want nothing to do with him. Hmm. And once connection became, became the goal for both of us, all of a sudden healing came in areas we, we, we weren't even trying to get healing for. Hmm. And so I would encourage parents, regardless of where you're at, you might be panicking. Oh, my 16-year-old's sexually active and looking at porn. Well, you know what? If that's already started, your, your goal can't be to stop that necessarily yet. You know, right. and, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but your goal has to be connection first, reestablish connection. It's very easy with the, as a parent to be constantly do this, fix that here. It's all instruction, especially for me, because I'm like, I feel like my primary goal as a dad is to prepare my kids for life. So I'm always trying to teach them and grow them and challenge them and push them. Well, I have to remind myself, well, wait a sec. You also have to slow down and hear them as well. Yeah. If I'm always trying to push a challenge that I'm not hearing, I'm not um, listening, and so I think that you're for anybody that you feel oh I'm, it's we're past that point, connection, 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 connection. If your kids are adults, ask them what do I got to do to have connection with you because I want to be close in relationship, yeah. and humble yourself, um, humble yourself even if you don't think you should have to be the one to humble yourself. And I think that once you gain connection back, all of a sudden, you're going to get an invitation back into those parts of their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, you've, if we've been pushed out, it might not even be our fault. It might be their fault. It doesn't, it's not always the fault of the parent. Um, but one of the things that I really believe about leadership, that I believe about parent, just because it's my fault doesn't mean it's not my problem to fix. And I think that it's important for us sometimes as parents and as leaders to realize sometimes it's even if I'm not the one that broke the connection, it's my job to go back and do go after the connection again. Why do I know that? Well, because God told me to love my wife as life, as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He came down to fix our problem. We broke our end of the covenant and he yeah. came down to fix our broken end of the covenant. Right. And so, whether the disconnect was created by the parent or by the kid, I think that God will grace the parent to rebridge those bridges of connection so that that connection can then ultimately lead into a new invitation back into those parts of their life.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Really, really insightful. Um, dude, I want to keep going here, but I want to respect your time and I know people are going to want to connect with you. You guys have a, a top ranked podcast, obviously some resources you mentioned. Um, is there anything else? What, what are some ways that people can check you guys out?
1: Yeah, moralrevolution.com We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, we, you know, our website and then, yeah, we have a podcast. I think it's out on all the platforms and portals and wherever it goes out. I'm not exactly sure of all of them. I know wherever you can get a podcast, it's on it. Cool. um and then we do a lot of traveling and a lot of trips you can l- always look at our website see if we're in a, a location near you would love to see you come out to an event uh, you know as we do different things like that so those are probably the easiest ways to to connect
0: fantastic thanks so much for your time today man this is awesome yeah
1: thanks for having me i enjoyed it it's 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 awesome i really it's an honor and i appreciate you uh, appreciate the invite
0: oh for sure well, there you have it. That was my interview with Cole. And man, I so appreciate him. I love the honesty uh, in the story. I love the clarity in the way they communicate, uh, the way he communicates. And I think Moral Revolution is doing a really cool thing. Also, amazing that they partnered with Exodus Cry. We had Helen um here a little a little while ago, and um, I I think I said Layla in the interview, and I I got the names mixed up. Uh, Layla used to be with Exodus Cry. She's doing her own thing. But we had Helen, and Helen is absolutely incredible. Um. So, anyways, we put links to all the stuff in the show notes uh, for their courses and their programs and uh, their podcast. They have a really good podcast as well. So there's lots of ways for you guys to plug in lots of ways for you to take what you've learned and actually put it into action and and I, you guys have probably heard me say this a thousand times over but you know information is a dime a dozen knowledge is cheap it is execution that has true value in our economy today and so i want to encourage you do not just simply be a listener of this podcast do not be hearers of the word be doers and if there's um, even just one action point that you can take from today's episode, um, then then you're actually making this worth your while. You're not just being a consumer, you're actually being an action taker and that's really where transformation takes place. And I know for some of you, you might be listening to this and, and maybe you're realizing, you know what, I need to get free of porn because I can see that it's deteriorating the fabric of my marriage or that it will deteriorate the fabric of my future marriage and I want to let you know that that is our specialty our, our specifically what we really do is we help young professional christian men resolve the root issues of porn that that is kind of our our focus and so if that's something that you want some help with because previous solutions have failed you, they've gotten you caught up in cycles or some temporary freedom, but nothing that was really long term, it might be time to actually get to the heart of the issue. And the easiest way you can do that is completely free of charge. It's through the last relapse. And this is a free resource that we've designed. It's a 270 page uh, book. And it's, it is available on all major platforms. But in a minute, I'm going to tell you how you can get it for free. But I actually spend 10s of 1000s of dollars to publish this book to create a really high quality product that I'm giving to you completely free of charge, if you can believe that. Spent over 14 months writing it, editing it, polishing it, and then publishing it. And I wanna give you a free copy so you can get started on the recovery journey at thelastrelapsebook.com. And um, to take it one step further, you you don't just learn our system, but we actually have a free workbook that comes with it. And so this is a chance for you to take the materials and to really extrapolate on them and think about what it's gonna look like for you to execute, because like we said, that's where all the transformation really takes place. So you can get your free copy now at thelastrelapsebook.com. I hope that's a huge help to you, but in the meantime, I wanna thank you guys for listening. I wish you an incredible day. We'll talk soon, bye-bye. Hey, everybody, it's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery.